one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and we answer my fearless co-host, Kristen Williams is with me. Hi, Kristen. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. So first question is by... Corin Modis. Corin Sloan is what she goes, is her real name. She was saying after sitting with her knees bent, her knees hurt, but they don't hurt at any other time. And then she elaborated in my, in my Instagram messaging, it doesn't hurt immediately, but within a minute or two of my knees being fully bent, the pain is intense and sort of all over and is immediately relieved by me straightening the leg. It doesn't hurt me any other time. Any idea what's going on and how I can work to correct it? Does it sound like it's both knees to you? She says both knees, right? Yes. What she says when my knees are bent, fully bent. So I think she's saying both knees. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? No, she says my knee. Uh oh, no. Here in the actual question, my knee hurts when it's fully bent. Mm, that honestly makes more sense to me that this would be unilateral. You know, um, mm-hmm. what I, I don't know about you, but what I've seen with that, when people complain of pain with that full knee flexion, a lot of times we end up finding out that they have some sort of inflammation within the joint, some sort of swelling that when you come into that full flexion, it's almost like a water balloon that if you squeezed it, they get that tensioning. And, you know, we have a lot of nerve fibers in the um, joint capsule that I think can go on tension. And she's talking about that broadness. So my first thought would be she probably has inflammation on the joint in some way, shape, or form. It's not a lot, 
but it's something that takes that full flexion to get that that pressure within the joint capsule. So then your next question is, well, why? Why is your synovium producing extra inflammation? And there's a whole host of reasons, uh, meniscus tear, um, you know, chondromal, like patella being irritated. I'm kind of wondering how long this has been going on, when it started. So there's a lot of things that like you and I would do, we get, get a really good history and, you know, find out more about it. But to me, that sounds like an inflammatory issue, like a fluid issue, just because of the hyperflexion and then that broadness. What do you think? I was going to say the same thing. And the fact that she's not moving, the fact, because, because when you're moving or uh, there's kind of some kind of strain on connective tissue, ligaments, tendons, that could account for it. But if you're sitting, yeah. And you're feeling it. Yes, that's got to be inflammation because it's the pressure. It's like a pressure cooker, like you were saying, like it's balloon. So uh, like you, I'd be really curious to know why, what that inflammation, like how long has it been going on? Is this new? Maybe you just kind of tweaked it and you're just having some residual, you know, inflammation in that area, increased synovial fluid or even inflammatory soup of some kind can kind of hang around in those. That's why knee issues sometimes are tough. Knee post, like total knee replacements are really tough because that that stuff, all that fluid stays there. Yeah. It's harder to move out than it is to other joints because it's a center, it's a hinge joint. It can get kind of trapped in the, the capsule. So I would say, yeah, how long has it been happening? What are you doing that might be different? It might be something that's different like, oh, all of a sudden I started doing some cross-country skiing because it's winter, you know? So I would say like, what are you doing that's different? What are you doing more of or less of? And um, yeah, like the history, what's been in the past? Have you ever hurt that knee before? Have you hurt the hip? The hip is usually the key to me. I would, you know, we would look at hip mobility because if your hip isn't moving well on that side, a lot of people have natural imbalances, one hip is more mobile than the other. Well, if, the, uh, if that hip is not mobilizing as it should, the knee will take over. And, and that could take years until that inflammation hits. And all of a sudden you're like, what happened? And it's like, well, it's actually been a work in progress. And now the knee is speaking out against it. So there's a lot to untangle, but those are some things that we would both suggest looking at is like, how long has it been happening? What are you doing different? What's going on in your hip? What's going on in your pelvis? Yep. And I would say treatment-wise, honestly, if I would just say, hey, start some clamshells, start some leg lit, you know, some side, start strengthening your hips, mobilize your hips, strengthen your core, strengthen your quad, your hamstrings. And my guess is, you know, just that movement, like you talked about, shit hurts when she's not moving. If she starts doing some work around that knee and the surrounding structures, it'll probably get better on its own. She probably doesn't need, don't go get an MRI. I mean, unless you want to know, but try some general strengthening stuff first and the body nine times out of 10 will heal itself. Right. And and, and to Kristen's point, if something is bothering you, um, you don't immediately, you don't have to immediately go get an answer. Just stop doing what's bothering you and then start doing some treatment on your own. Moving, the, the things that you already know. Oh, it doesn't hurt when it's straight or when you're moving. It only hurts when you're... So don't sit in a really hyperflex position for a while and see if it gets better. Yeah. All right. Another person asked, um, I feel my right hip goes deeper into hip flexion 
and tilts anteriorly more than the left. When I'm in a 90-90 low lunge with the left knee down, the right hip is high or looks higher than when I have the other knee down. I feel like the entire right side gets affected and my knee makes that popping sound a lot. Although I don't experience pain there, I suspect that it may be the unevenness of the right hip. What do you think? Any suggestions, especially when in the 90-90 low lunge, I can't seem to figure out where to begin to adjust myself to not allow that hip to hike up? Uh, Well, I'll just start off the bat because we do 90-90 half-kneel lunges a lot in in our lit classes. And the primary reason is it's it's a well there's a lot of reasons but it's a beautiful move it's a developmental move we do this from when we were a young toddler we learn how to get up off the floor through the 90 90 so it's helping to reestablish a neutral pelvis it's getting your spine in a in a neutral position it gets the 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 weight that's on the ground say it's your left knee that's on the ground um you're getting a nice opening on that left hip the front of the hip and then the right hip we're hoping is getting into a nice 90 degrees, which is great for, for making space in the, the pelvis for the femur to glide posteriorly. So the first thing I would say is I wouldn't worry so much about if the height, hip is hiking or not. There, that might happen no matter what. What I would be, I would really work on establishing your pelvis in a neutral position. And if your pelvis is neutral, you might have a little bit of a, uh, a higher lift on that one side. If it feels not great, then then I would start like using your hands. So, for instance, if your right hip is the front hip, put your right hip in right your fingers in your right hip crease and just kind of make some space and lift your abdominals to lift out of that that right hip crease. Uh, it sounds like it's the the leg that's in front that is the one you're more concerned about. But that that, that would be my suggestion. Do you have any? No, I agree. It's a long question. So yeah, it's again, yeah. she says the knee pa- makes a popping sound. Is that the, um, the bottom knee? The, the- well, she's talking about when the left knee is down, right hip is higher. I feel like the entire right side gets affected and my knee makes a popping sound, mm-hmm. although I don't experience pain. Yeah. And I, want, I suspect it may be the unevenness of the right hip. So I think what she's really talking about, the right hip. Yeah. When it's in right. deeper hip flexion. Uh, you know, I mean, I think like you said, it's super common. Uh, I mean, when I'm when I when I'm in a ninety ninety, I the the forward hip or the leg of the the hip of the leg that's forward is higher than the other one. I think that's just a natural. You know, the length of your femur is shorter than the length of your tibia and fibula combined with your calcaneus. Your heat, you know, you've got it's just a longer structure, which is why to be level, you almost have to put that flat uh, the block on the skinniest side to really level you out to get a true le- pelvis level. Now she is talking about an asymmetry. It feels different right to left. I would almost correct me if I'm wrong, I would look at the left hip. You know, like why, you know, what is it is she not able to open up the front of that left hip, which is causing a change. Like you said, the pelvis. Look at the pelvis. You know, what's happening there that's causing a funny twist of the pelvis? I guess the model, the moral of the story is look, I would look on both sides for sure, because we're dealing, I think, I agree with you, we're dealing with the pelvis. Something's happening. Amen, sister. And it's it's reflecting in her knees slash hips. So to your point, try to create space. Try to, you know, put a block underneath there. If it really feels, just kneel on a block. That's gonna naturally I love that feeling. Yeah. Oh, it feels so good. 
Um, it feels so good, and you're right. And she's and and it's and she's talking about that that right hip wants to anteriorly tilt more. She's probably talking about the pelvis wants to t- tilt more when she goes into flexion, which gives you kind of a false sense of flexion because if your pelvis moves forward, you feel like you're going into a deeper posterior glide of the femur, but you're really not. And so I agree with you. Like, look at the left hip. Maybe the anterior left hip is pulling you, mm-hmm. it, right? And that's what's tipping you. And this is what's so fascinating about the body is that often where we feel the discomfort is not the actual problem, right? The yep. problem is coming somewhere else. So look somewhere else. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I know with myself, like when I have any kind of like stickiness or discomfort, it's in my right low kind of sacroiliac area, but my left anterior hip is tight. And I, right. So it's like struggling. So it's getting pulled all the way around. So if I just paid attention to that and was like, but I know, oh, time to work on that left hip a little bit more. Absolutely. Don't ever chase the pain, right? Look for the function. Exactly. 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 I love that. Okay. So clean Alina asks, where to put the lower leg in modified side plank parallel to the side of mat or twisted out? I think she kind of means like right underneath you in line with the mat, which is going to be the shortest, smallest base of support or the kickstand where you kind of kick it out a little bit and you widen the base of support. Um, You want to answer that? You know, I definitely I think we'd I, say the same thing. I think we both said that. <laughs> yeah. To me, there it's a it's two separate positions. The 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 foot parallel to the long side of the mat is hard. It's harder on that weight bearing hip. So you're going to be working that hip more. So if you need hip stability, challenge yourself. Put that foot parallel to the long side of the mat. If that's not what your goal is, or if you need a little more stability, kickstand it out because then you can. In my opinion, you can you can bias more into your obliques. You can bias more into your scapula. But if if you know that you're a person who needs work on your hip, hello, I'm one of those. I'm you know we all need it to be honest. Whenever I want to challenge, I go parallel, and it's a dramatic change, like wobble, 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 because now I'm really having to stabilize around the hip and not able to. You know, I mean, truly, I have to kick into my serratus. I did, everything has to stabilize more. But um, that's not always the goal. Sometimes, to be honest, I do a modified side plank as an easier option of side plank. Now, if that's my goal, I'm not going to have somebody go parallel to the mat because now I've just actually, in my opinion, made it kind of harder. They have to work harder than they do in a full side plank. So I do both depending on what I want at the time. I know you're a big parallel to the side because it's it's more work and it's it's hard. Yeah, yeah, but I I'm I'm like you. I do it purposefully. Yes. So I what I'll say to people is just because it's hard doesn't mean, you know, kickstand it out <laughs> because then you're not going to get, you know, it's like you just kind of buttress yourself a little bit and that's helpful. So for people who don't know what we're talking about, modified side plank your left hand would be underneath your left shoulder. Your left knee would be underneath your left hip. And the lower part of your leg would be parallel to the side of your mat so that you're essentially one long line. Once you take that lower leg and start to curve it out, say, to the left, you are widening the base of support. Anytime you widen your base of support, you make it easier for your center to stabilize. 
So that's why it's easier to stand on two legs than it is to stand on one leg. We have a wider base of support, not only the two feet that that are down on the ground, but the space in between them. Then you take that away and you're literally just on your one foot. And that's why we're much more wobbly because we're we're making all these stabilizing muscles really kick in. So with the modified side plank, if somebody's just, I think it's habit, they just feel like a little unsteady. So they kickstand it out. That makes it easier. And then when I tell them to do modified side plank, they're like, my the way I like to do it with that parallel leg, they're like, this is way too hard. I can't, I feel like I can't hold myself. And I'm like, okay, well, try it. And really summon all those muscles around your rib cage, around your pelvis, around your spine, around your shoulder girdle to hold. Uh, so for me, it's really about building stability. But I do the other version for, like, like you said, like more kind of mobilization of some other tissues, getting into being having the stability of the base so that I can really lift up and expand maybe the lateral, the side seam of the body or something. So I think again like Kristen's point, like think about the purpose and then practice both ways, but don't just, pra- don't not practice something just because it's challenging. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and think about your population too. You know, like if you're working, if you're a teacher and you're working with an elderly population, you're going to do that kickstand because you're, you know, mm-hmm. so again, look who you're working with, what the purpose is, you know, yes. we want people to be successful and yet we want to challenge. So Yes. And to that point as well, whether it's an older population or say a runner or with a knee issue, like putting them in a modified side plank the way I like to do it with that parallel leg is putting a lot of demand on their hip. If they don't have that stability, it might drive down into their knee. So if you have somebody that says, that really hurts my knee, that's a good, op- that's a good place to say, okay, well, let's start by kickstanding it out a little bit. Get your hip more ready and focus on that. And then with time, it will take it out of the knee if the hip is working. But if you're if you're sinking into that hip, it'll drive into the knee and it won't feel good. Yep. All right. This is a good one. Um, Move with Chelsea asked, do you have any rituals or traditions to bring in the new year? So this is actually, by the time this is recorded, it will be the new year or by, by the time it's played, but we are speaking right before the new year. So do you have any rituals or traditions to bring in the new year? You know, I really don't. I, I'm kind of, um, I've never been a big New Year's Eve. A lot of times it's just, I do it with my family. Well, if I'm able to stay up for the ball, I will. Sometimes we'll go you know, to a friend's house, but for the most part, we like to just chill and ring in the new year pretty quiet. I'm not a big New Year's resolution person either. I try to live my life resolutely throughout the years. because um, I just, I find, I, I actually, my PT corner is all talk, talking about setting realistic goals because we're going into the new year. But, you know, I try to do that year round. So I'm kind of a lame answer on that one. What, do you, what about you? I'm with you, sister. I'm, I'm, I'm very similar. And I, I do think, I think, you know, as a, as a place of like promoting a new year kind of ritual and tradition. I think it's wonderful to have this reflection. It's kind of like Valentine's Day. You can look at it like how dumb we should be like romantic and loving and appreciative of our partners every day, which is what we want to try and do. But maybe the the positive side could be like, we have one day that we're really dedicating that we know it's kind of like having something on your calendar. So you really are committed to it. Mm -hmm. And of course, we want to bring that into every day. So I think the new year 
to me is kind of like that. It's just an opportunity if you need it to say, all right, fresh slate, what do I want to get out of this year? For some people, they really need like this like cleansing, like, woo, especially maybe after 2020, like uh, this, even though it's just the next day, uh, you know, psychologically, it might feel like there is a new year here and it's going to be better than last year or whatever. But I'm like you, I really, I try and live, you know, each day as, as an opportunity to reflect and reboot and recharge in the ways that some people use January 1st. And I think that's why, you know, we, people like us, are very successful with our habits because we aren't just kind of, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Um, here are my resolutions and then try and do them in this time frame as a novel idea and it doesn't work. It's got to be something you do every day. Like that is discipline. And then it becomes habit. So it's not something that you, you know, just like moving, you know, we brush our teeth every day. We, it just is part of your uh, cellular day, you know, life. You, yeah. you just breathe it and live it. And so I, I think that, and, and I think the way we move is so mindful. It really opens up the space to, to, to look at the other areas of our lives and, and are we living the best we can in those ways. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say practice lit and that's, that's the ritual. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm like you, yeah, I don't have any, I don't, I don't have any tradition or ritual because I do. I, I, my goal is to bring it into every day. But it'd be fun to hear yours if you want to share any, any rituals there. Uh, this is the last question of, we've got. What, uh, this is a good one. Xteen Yogaria says, what do you do to keep deepening your knowledge and practice? So if we're talking, you know, for physical therapy, I definitely, I subscribe to, I have subscriptions that send me regular emails, like just keeping me up to date with what's in the literature. And then I'll click on links. Um, I love writing the PT corner every week because it's my way of doing research. And then I always go down a rabbit hole and it's inspiring that way. Um, I think all the work that we do creating classes does the same thing. So uh, for me, I'm constantly YouTubing, you know, watching YouTube videos, doing PubMed lit searches uh, to, you know, to find the latest, greatest stuff that's out there and then applying it to my job as a lit movement specialist. Um, And that is not something that I did as a clinical physical therapist. It's interesting. You know, you get as a clinical physical therapist, you get very into your daily routine, um, you, patients coming in, you're focused on them and less focused on your own growth. Um, so that's been a real joy for me to marry the two where I still have a bit of that, but now this whole new world of constantly growing and learning and learning from you. And you know, we learn from each other. These Q&As, I think are a great chance for us to bounce ideas. And it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, it's inspiring. It is. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just echo that. I would say, um, like Kristen, I subscribe to PT literature. We both belong to um, a physical therapy webinar course course library where there's live and recorded, and we can go in and just look at it. Like I'm gonna do a neck pain one in a few weeks, and 
it sometimes it's sometimes I learn stuff. Sometimes it's just like reinforcing that I know the stuff, you know, and that's great too. But like you, I'm curious, and I learn. I I think I'm learning so much more in a lot of ways, like you mentioned, because I have the freedom to learn it, apply it, and also we have the years of just observing. So we. Yeah, sometimes when you're in like more of a clinic setting, you don't really have the time and you might not have the energy. Now it's like, it's almost like this, it's filling us up even more because we're doing it, we're applying it and we're learning more and sharing. So I think that's, that's um, I, I'm so grateful for that because my knowledge continues to expand by working with you. Of course, I talk to my brother regularly and he's he's like a, you know, a computer. I just ask him a question and uh, nine hours later, <laughs> I have an answer. But yeah, I think find the people that really inspire you and you trust and know that those people like, you know, like we are, we're curious. We're totally curious. We're always wanting to learn more. And um, we have our fundamentals down really, really well. And I don't think those change. But what you do is you just layer. It's like a recipe that you just keep on adding wonderful ingredients to. So like cooking in the kitchen with creativity. We know what we're doing, but we all of a sudden it's like, oh, have you tried this flavor? No, it's really, it's fun. So yay. I'm so grateful for you, honey. Oh, me too. And we are both so grateful for all of you. Uh, go and try our Lit Daily classes. If you haven't, we're both on there and we have lots of, lots of classes for everyone uh, to help you move better and feel better. And we are always pulling for you. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.